Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pod. And folks, uh, we were planning on just talking about the Alamo Bowl, but um, frankly, this has been an insane day in what has been an insane offseason so far. So uh, to start out, if you can't tell by the uh, thumbnail, Caleb Williams is in the transfer portal. Now, not only that, we were set and ready to go and talk about Caleb, then it gets flipped again. Uh, with the shocking commitment of uh, Dylan Gabriel, who is currently enrolled at UCLA, uh, last seen playing football at UCF, uh, and is a great, you know, connection to Jeff Levy. So, uh, some shocking developments. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, we got Jameson. We got Ty, as usual. And uh, Jameson, um, I, I, I don't even know where to start. First reaction... I guess to uh, the Caleb Portal uh, first reaction to uh, Dylan Gabriel uh, like as a Sooner. Um, so let's just start with the, with the biggest news: Caleb to the Portal, um, looking like he's gone. Your thoughts on the situation as a whole? Yeah, when I first saw him hit the portal, I said, "Okay, that's fine. I'm not worried." You know, uh, a lot of people are like, "Oh, hit the portal means they're gone," but. We all knew Caleb Williams is going to discuss if he needs to stay at OU or not, and he was going to hear things from other colleges. So he did it the right way by putting himself in the portal so he could talk to these other colleges. An Oregon, a USC, a Miami. We'll talk a lot about Miami. Like, what? But okay. Um, And it would make sense for him to get in the portal. But now Dylan Gabriel committing? Like, there must have been some type of meeting today. You know, OU guaranteed, I mean, Caleb guaranteed that OU would get the last meeting before he made his decision. There had to be some kind of, you know, like, hey, Caleb, we're going to want to hear something pretty soon because we need to get the tires kicking. And he probably didn't give good vibes to Levy to where Levy said, screw it, pull the trigger on plan B. And, you know, let's also make it clear. I I don't think this 100% means that Caleb is not coming back. Uh, I think it is a very strong sign that he probably won't. Um, so I, I wouldn't have like a whole bunch of hope about it, but it doesn't rule it out entirely. Um, Ty, your, your reaction to the news? Yeah, for sure. It, it certainly seems to me like now, now that we've seen the things that have unfolded, you know, like we talked about in the past couple of hours, the, the announcement by Caleb Williams and then the, the announcement by Dylan Gabriel uh, to come to OU it certainly almost seems to me like maybe this is a, a discussion that has been occurring, you know, maybe since Riley left and, and this is sort of the, the resolution to it. And I would not find it hard to believe maybe if, if um, you know, Williams had been planning on leaving the entire time and this is just sort of, you know, we're going to do this the right way and, and take the steps to, to figure out where we're going. So obviously too soon to, to really speculate, but I, well, too soon to say for certain, but, but to speculate, uh, I do have to agree that uh, Caleb Williams is most probably no longer going to be playing at OU. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I don't know if I can I can kind of agree with this, like, you know, Caleb Williams still might come back thing. What would make a guy, you know, decommit from an enrollment at UCLA and come to OU with there's a chance that a quarterback comes back with two years before he goes to the NFL draft whenever Gabriel has already played three seasons? You know, like this is not a guy that is a a redshirt freshman coming in with four years of eligibility. No, this is a guy who's been around college football for a long time. He's not going to come to a school 
that has a chance where he would sit on the bench. So there had to be some inclination that Levy gave to Dylan Gabriel, a guy that he already was close with in his past, UCF, who knows his system, um, say, hey, I think you've got the spot. Um, he would not tell Gabriel to come if he knows that the spot wouldn't have been there for him. Well, I, I think the biggest, uh, I guess, kind of kind of clue, if there would be, is Gabriel saying, you know, in his tweet announcing that he committed to OU, uh, they say life's a gamble like rolling the dice, dime time. Ignore the dime time part, but uh, it, he, he's outright saying that it is a gamble. And, and that, to me, makes it feel like that maybe there are introductory conversations with Lebby where he's like, look... It's probably not. It might not work out with uh, Caleb Williams. Would you have any interest in coming to Oklahoma and you know flipping over? And uh, you know maybe he prematurely was like, "No, screw it. I'm gonna go try there. Uh, just take this risk and try to beat out Caleb Williams." Which you know, frankly, I, I don't do. Dylan Gabriel is not a better quarterback than Caleb Williams. Uh, that 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 is just kind of very solid. But. Um, uh, the, the gamble thing has kind of made me think, like, maybe this isn't as solid as uh, you would think. Just the, the headline, Dylan Gabriel commits to Oklahoma. For sure. Yeah, and and I I don't think um, – we had sort of a, a bit of a discussion prior to this, and obviously there's going to be much more info that, that comes out, but you can you can be rather pedantic with, with the word commitment. You know, does it necessarily entail a – mutual agreement with the school or like you said, was there just a discussion and he said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm reading the tea leaves here and, and, and reading the winds and, and seeing that this is going to happen, you know, let me jump on this beforehand. Um, real quick, before I let Jameson take it, I do want to say that it is a, uh, it's very interesting uh, regardless of how this plays out that we had someone, I, I don't, necessarily I, I agree with Bobby I don't think Dylan Gabriel is a better quarterback than Caleb Williams uh, but it shows the caliber of of OU and, and of the oncoming system that we had a, a commit or decommitment potentially from our starting quarterback and we had a, a very good replacement option um, immediately step in regardless of the the details of that so that it that will be interesting to to play out and just like we heard Stoop say in, in the coaching reference, or in the coaching hire uh, situation, we have the best and the brightest looking to to come to OU within college football. Yeah, I think Dylan Gabriel, we would be remiss to say like, oh, this guy isn't any good. Um, this guy's very good. Um, he was definitely the number one option on the transfer market for quarterback. Um, and he was a guy that before going to UCLA, Spencer Rattler, I'm, I'm assuming some experts picked him to go to UCLA and Dylan Gabriel took his spot. So obviously people think highly about him on the transfer market over a guy like Spencer Rattler. Um, but secondly, he knows Levy's system. So what a greater start to, um, you know, a kind of a tumultuous time in Oklahoma where there's so many moving pieces to bring in at least one guy, the head, you know, the quarterback, the boss on the offense that already knows the system. Um, so this is best case scenario for a non-Caleb Williams quarterback because Caleb Williams is a like once in a you know decade I guess quarterback and that comes through college football the way we've seen how he tra- played as a um, true freshman. 
Yeah, and I, I wasn't trying to knock Dylan Gabriel or say that he's, you know, not on that caliber. Or, or Sorry to say he's not any good. I just, like you said, I, I don't think he's a generational guy, um, which, you know, you don't have to be. You He has to be a guy who comes in, steady, steadies the ship, and, you know, can operate an offense better than a guy like Ralph Rucker. Um, and and frankly, to, to flip a guy like this, uh, this late in the portal season is, is kind of remarkable. Um, and it, it, well, it, it, how would, how, how should I put this? Well, the best case scenario would be Caleb coming back. No hullabaloo, you know, no portal mess, or you just, this is probably the second best of the, of the other bad situations where you have to take another guy who isn't a Dylan Gabriel or isn't a, you know, a Caleb Williams or, you know, trying to start a Nick Evers or, um, uh, Ralph Rucker. So, you know, really it's not, this is not awful. Uh, as far as things go, and oh, you had to make this call. I think they had to make this call early um, because you don't want to be you, you don't want to be Clay Bennett and the rest of the ownership uh, sitting in a uh, in a in a uh, you know tiny hotel room in the Hamptons, you know, eating TGI Fridays after Kevin Durant dumped <laughs> you, and you don't have any other options. You have to make you have to strike while the iron is hot. Caleb took a risk by. Hopping into the portal, OU uh, was left unguarded, so you have to do something there, and that's just how it is. It works both ways, mm-hmm. and and you can't think that OU doesn't have extreme sources at other programs, people almost moles that can kind of figure out what's the sniffing situation and what people think at USC, what people think at Oregon, what people think at Miami. Um, you know, Caleb Williams spots that he's looking at to think how optimistic are they in getting? And if they're getting optimistic, some of the sources, and then, you know, the meeting with Caleb, he didn't give them the answers in the body language that they wanted. Um, they made a, a non risk in picking Dylan Gabriel. Like you said, he was already enrolled and you had to make moves here pretty soon. And you could put all your chips on the table and hope for Caleb Williams but, you know, if he's quacking like a duck and, like, you know, walking like a duck that he's going to leave, you're going to treat him like a duck and say, like, he's gone. For sure. I yeah, and, I don't know and anything it's... about Oregon. I was just saying duck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that uh, Caleb Williams is a, a competitive guy. And, and I, I do want to present this, you know, not as a hedge, but as just to present sort of every angle. There is a potential that, you know, Caleb Williams does remain at OU, I, I think, with the Gabriel announcement, it is less. I, not because I think that Caleb Williams is afraid of Gabriel, but I think that there's a lot more discussions behind closed doors than are appearing on, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the very refined statements that are read over by lawyers and then released on Twitter. So it is, uh, it's still possible that, you know, maybe Dylan Gabriel doesn't have a firm agreement with OU and he's pulling sort of a, a Baker Mayfield and, and uh, just walking on essentially or, or declaring his commitment because he he saw some interest and, you know, there's a potential that Kelly Williams was going to leave and, and maybe wants to compete for it now or, or who knows, you never know uh, what is, what is going to happen. So don't, you know, don't buy in too much to, to very public, very cookie cutter generic statements released. Obviously there's a lot of, uh, of indicators there, but, there is a, a whole lot more occurring that's not making it to the media. Yeah, for sure. And um, they, I mean, there, there's just a lot behind the scenes. We're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. Uh, 
uh, of a lot of craziness, I'm sure, behind the scenes, for sure. Um, but Jameson, um, we've talked a lot about the decision of Gabriel to come here, but like, what type of quarterback is Oklahoma getting here? What's his style? And uh, what what can you what what can you see out of this offense potentially? Dude, it, there's like um, a lot for me to still watch because to be honest, I heard D- Dylan Gabriel, you know, oh, it makes sense as a replacement, but I was all in on Caleb Williams, really thinking that he was going to come back. I felt pretty decent to tell you the truth, and now this comes and I am like, you know, sit, I'm got caught, you know, pooping on the toilet right now. And I, um, and I don't know. All I do is I remember whenever it was his days at UCF, you know, it seems like he's a quite dynamic quarterback, you know, obviously a lefty and kind of do a lot across the field. And that's something that Lebby wants, you know, he wants a guy that can do everything. Um, you saw that with Matt Corral this year, Matt Corral, you know, aside from getting a high ankle sprain in the game, like, you know, he can do everything on the field. He can run, he can put, make plays on his own. He can pass the ball really well. Um, so he's not some kind of stationary guy, but he's not, you know, only an athlete. And I, I will say just to, you know, taking a quick glance at, you know, his, um, his stats here, he's, he's a rusher in the sense that he can scramble. He, he his, his career high, uh, for rushing yards in a season is 169. So he, he's not, he's not a Caleb Williams, you know, three yards at a cloud of dust running 60, 50 yards, you know, you know, t- taking things to the house, but he he's definitely not. Uh, wouldn't say like a, a flat-footed guy. Uh, definitely through the air is uh, pretty remarkable. Uh, his his years in 2020 uh, and 2019 were very good, both 3,000 yard uh, passing seasons. Um, so there there's a lot there to like. Um, but that being said, you know it's it, it is a difference. It is an up it, not not an upgrade. It's, it's probably a slight downgrade. But uh, over the alternative, very good. Very good, I would say. So, with football season over, you know what? I like to dabble a little bit in a great sport that a lot of our colleagues at uh, TPPN love, hockey. And hockey fans, there is no better place to start than with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. And they got a no-brainer offer that will make you a winner once any shot gets past a goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. Now, in case you didn't know, the NHL got rid of ties in 05, uh, so, you know, somebody is going to light that lamp. But, of course, if if DraftKings Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, there's uh, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest or Fantasy Football or whatever you want. There's plenty to do at DraftKings. They are giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, throw $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let, let's, let's talk about Caleb. And potentially, this was kind of going to be the meat of this when we thought this is the only thing we had to talk about. Uh, where Where is he going to go? 
what what are these type of programs that he could see as an upgrade for himself um he mentioned in his uh you know kind of goodbye letter that he's looking for or not goodbye but you know i'm going to the portal letter where he's like he said he was going to look at several other options to help his nfl uh you know draft stock uh, there was some talk about, you know, probably NIL as well. Uh, and what are a couple programs that he could really thrive at, uh, I guess, that uh, could be better than OU? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I already hit those names from what, you know, a lot of the message boards are talking about. And I kind of want to hear, especially Ty's thoughts, because I'll uh, be kind of here to laugh a little bit about his Miami thought. Uh, but, you know, Miami's the name that got thrown out. And we heard from correspondent Boaten Blake that he heard there's some chirps that Joe Brady might be offensive coordinator there. Um, you know, still a lot to happen there. But that's, you know, Caleb Williams coming out of high school said, I want to play for two quarterback coaches. Um, and it's either going to be Joe Brady or Lincoln Riley. And when Joe Brady left for the pros, um, there's only one available option. And now USC being a second option, I know that Caleb Williams is a very, you know, loyal person, has great values about him. And that Lincoln Riley move, I'm sure pissed him off. And him moving to USC isn't just like, I'm going to follow you wherever you go and I'm your humble servant. It's a, hey, you kind of left me out here high and dry and brought me to this school. And in my first year, you bounce. Like, can I really trust this dude? Like, is this the guy that I thought he was? So is USC a lock? I'm not sure. And then um, also Oregon, because I believe he had a connection with, you know, landing. I think he likes landing's coaching style. Um, obviously it would have been a great attraction if we were to a- be able to land him as a defensive coordinator here at Oklahoma, but obviously got outbid as a ho- head coach offer at Oregon. But those are the three big schools other than OU, um, you know, that Caleb Williams were, was going to look at. But, like, Ty, what do, you, what do you like the most out of those three schools that I listed? Like, what, what kind of gives you, you know, good vibes from those? Uh, you asked me. Yeah, yeah, what yeah, what yeah, so out of the options and, and not just to be a, an OU homer, um, but out of the out of the options, right? I think staying, honestly, is is probably the best uh, decision in terms of NFL draft stock and, and resume from what it looks like right now. Um, we aren't gonna be moving to the SEC, at least in Caleb Williams playing time, which is good because you get outside of the pack pretty much the easiest. Uh, especially as a quarterback, uh, power five resume um, to get up in there with, with the defenses that we're playing. You have the name brand, which does hold some value, you know, and, and obviously you have that at, at USC, you have that at Miami, you have that at Oregon. Um, but I, I think potentially, you know, maybe he knew he was going to leave right when Lincoln Riley left. And I think this ties into where he could potentially go because, if he knew he was going to leave the second that Lincoln Riley left, but then said, I'm going to stick with this team. I'm on this team. I'm going to play the bowl game. I'm going to ride out this entire season, you know, season and postseason, And then I'm going to evaluate my options. The fact that that occurred, I think means he's not going to be going to USC because it just seems like, like you said, such a fundamental difference in, in how the exits were played out. Um, and obviously, who knows what was going on behind closed doors, but I think it's pretty fair to say that he was absolutely as blindsided as everyone else with Lincoln Riley leaving. So I don't see him, you know, sticking his hand on the stove again. Not that that would burn him. Lincoln Riley is, you know, great at at um, quarterbacks. So who knows? But I, I think out of all those options, if it's not staying at OU, it's it's got to be Oregon. I know Miami is basically given their program a, 
a blank check and has a lot of stuff, but Oregon is sort of trying to come up, but they're they're not in the same way that Miami. Like Miami is in full, you know, rebuild recovery mode, trying to start from essentially ashes. You know, they've had, you know, what, like six and six every season is kind of like their average. Oregon is a cut above that. You know, they're playing in their conference championship regularly and Oregon is trying to dominate their conference more, but they're almost not at OU's level, but they're, they're trying to get to the next level. Like they're, they're at the level where they could win national championships and they're trying to punch up there. So if I had to guess my money right now would be Oregon because it's not necessarily a lateral move. I I think we're a little bit better than Oregon as we, as we just saw, but uh, yeah, maybe Oregon. It, and you know Oregon would be an option. I, I just I don't know what they have really going on on offense. It, that whole the whole mindset of what Oregon is to you has kind of completely shifted. And then add in the fact that Bo Nix has just transferred to Oregon as well, uh, which again he could be Bo Nix for sure. But um, there, there's already an incumbent there, uh, just as there is at USC as well. Um, Miami seems to have a guy they like. Uh, I don't. I yeah, honestly, still, as, a, as a normal coach, it's Caleb Williams. I mean, come on. You you take Caleb Williams over anyone. Yeah, Caleb Williams is not scared to compete. We know that. He wanted to go to OU when Brock Vandegrift was on ours, um, on our slate for the 2020 class. Like he believes in himself. So the competition for him, if we were to go to a team like Oregon, is Bo Nix, and he's got experience, and that's tough. And my argue against Oregon, I think, is lowest on my list um, because Caleb Williams' family and him say NFL is my dream and I want people to develop me for the NFL to best my ability. Um, a 35 year old brand new coach is a little bit, not, not what I'm thinking um, is kind of what he's looking for. Um, now I'm interested in Miami. I understand they've got that new freshman that did well this year that has the two names. Things like van something um, have to look it up. Um, but Caleb Williams puts him in the dirt and just leaves him out to dry if he transfers there. He gets that job. And if Joe Brady's the head uh, is the offensive coordinator there, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Caleb Williams um, in that in a Miami jersey. Um, but if Lincoln Riley can calm the storm and kind of say, "Hey, this is what happened," blah blah blah, and he obviously probably has been doing that for the past couple of weeks, um, saying, "Hey, this is why I left and everything," and I really hope that I can regain your trust. And if he does regain his trust. I think Link, uh, Lincoln Riley can move him to USC. Um, but uh, Joe Brady going to Miami is very, very interesting. Tyler Van Dyke is the guy, by the way, at uh, yes, at Miami. Um, no, it, uh, it, it is. And, you know, I, I think that Caleb, you know, Caleb-Lincoln connection, that is kind of the big question right now. If, if they can build that back together, we'll see how it happens. I, I, I don't know. Um, that's a hard thing to, you know, really kind of rebound from. And, um, you know, it, we'll see. But I, I think Miami is interesting because a lot of those offensive guys, uh, well, specifically Mario Cristobal, um, you know, at Oregon, you know, the, the flair of Oregon is now at Miami. And even though it is a rebuild, they have staff there to make it work. They also have, uh, well, let's just be honest, a lot of money. And they have the beach. And that seems like a thing you could be very marketable is uh, being on South Beach and, um, you know, playing for the U, playing for a brand like Miami. Uh, that That is helpful. However, the thing is, everything he wants, I feel like, is at Oklahoma. So that's that's the kind of confusing thing to me is it, it seems like you can, you can make a good argument for all of these places, these little bits and pieces from Miami, from USC, from Oregon, from really anyone. 
But the one place it all kind of comes together, I think, is Oklahoma. And that's it just uh, – I personally I, – I get why he wanted to go, you know, test the waters, see his options. But I, I think at the, at the end of the day, you know, the right spot is there. And if you move on to the portal, that right spot – they're not going to sit around for you because we we can't afford that. Uh, you have mm. to make the right decision. You have to make that move. You have to pull the trigger, uh, or else, like I said, you're going to be uh, Sam Presti and uh, Clay Bennett eating cold uh, mozzarella sticks at a at a TGI Fridays in the Hamptons, and nobody yeah. wants to do that. I, I think we got an interesting um, comment in our um, in our comment section from Lindsay, and I kind of want Ty's thought on this because. Um, there's this kind of mantra going out around right now with Caleb. Is he just putting himself in the portal just to see who can give him the biggest offer? Who's got you know who's the biggest fish that you know that can give him the most money? Do you think that's the case, Ty? Uh, I think I think the potential is there. You know, we are in we're in an era of college football, uh, very specifically where we just introduced above table. Uh, you know, financial aspects for the players. Uh, and we've also just introduced in terms of, you know, the, the timeline of college football, this ability to transfer schools much more freely. So I think we're at a very unique era of player empowerment where these players are much more employees. You know, I've, I've uh, argued that they haven't necessarily really been student athletes for a long time. Uh, but they are much more now, you know, talent and, and employees and, and managed managed as such. Uh, and I think we're we're starting to see that with with some people, and that is very much a possibility here. You know, if he has a, a smart agent or or whatever else, I'm not saying it's a purely financial situation, but there is certainly the the chance that you know he's making a, a savvy business move as any employee would if they're on a, a contract or able to renegotiate a contract where they're going to say you know what i'm going to explore my options and, and look at their options and uh you know we'll see and and i think it's interesting because it's so novel for us for players whereas not necessarily at ou we're, we're not used to this but at many other schools if we had a coach that was at the end of his contract or coming up on the end of his contract and he said you know what i'm gonna at least entertain calls from other places i haven't made a decision yet but i'm gonna see what's out there that's not at all uncommon that would not be news that would be news at ou we've been very spoiled with with sort of continuity and and almost tenures of of head coaches and that's why the lincoln riley situation that wasn't necessarily novel to college football burned ou fans so bad but if you think about it from from sort of the business player empowerment standpoint, there is certainly a, a very fair argument that Caleb Williams fully intends to remain at OU and just wants to let it be known that they're going to have to work for him because he is the talent here, you know, and, and coaches are, are also talent as well, but there is a, you know, there, there is that possibility out there as well that I don't think should be discounted at all, especially with how new, we haven't seen that yet. Uh, but we will start to see more and more as smarter players and, and smarter agents work their way into college football and learn these rules that have been established and and everything else that we see players that are really making savvy moves. Because right now, with how new the rules are, uh, there's a fair argument that college players potentially are, are in a better situation in terms of money-making possibilities and also freedom of, of just choosing their careers than NFL players. Because you can't get traded as a college player, 
you know, so it's fully, it's fully in your hands. So there's definitely some big potential there that I'm not necessarily a money thing, but Caleb Williams is saying, you know, what do you have to offer me? Well, I'll say this. I think there's, I think if you're, if you're upset about how this went down um, with the NIL and with the transfer portal being as accessible as it is, I, I wouldn't be mad at the player who is taking all options available and capitalizing it. I would be upset with the NCAA for having no restrictions on it whatsoever, having uh, very little, you know, structure in place um, that, you know, this is a, a thing that could just happen willy nilly. And I, I, I'm all, all, all in favor of player empowerment. I'm all for that. I get your money, get all that. I, I just, I think more structure needs to be involved where it's not just a wild West, like it is right now. Um, because uh, it, it's just it's just a total mess right now, and I mm. I think I'm I'm more cons- more concerned with the structure rather than a a person making the smart right move in his eyes and and just in general if you can enter free agency at any point in time you do that that's that's there's that is why you have NBA players sign what like you know um, you know four year deals with uh, you know you know, one year guaranteed and they can opt out is so they have that freedom and uh, it's smart. They're utilizing their tactics, their talent and leveraging it into as much freedom as possible. Uh, and if you, if you really don't like that, then honestly change the system, you know, demand more out of the NCAA, demand more out of the structure where that can't happen. Um, because right now it is kind of a mess. And, you know, honestly, maybe, maybe we'll see that, uh, some of this is is not good, you know. That the the, the un, unlimited portaling isn't good, um, and I, I feel like weirdly enough, the most egregious portal situation uh, just benefited OU with uh, with Dylan Gabriel. The guy the guy portaled to one place and then portaled back the second he had a better opportunity uh, in the same off season. And I uh, that that seems like a little bit much. Um, so you know, I, I don't blame Caleb Williams for taking a you know having his ability to talk to people, look at other things, especially when, you know, he had a plan, it changed with Lincoln Riley leaving and he wanted to, you know, kind of redo it, which I don't, I don't blame him for, but um, yeah, it's, it's a mess. They need to figure some structure out and uh, yeah. Jameson, your thoughts on all Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. I think my thing with the NIL and transfer portals, I'm all for the transfer portal and the one-time deal and all of that, but Caleb Williams was kind of in a unique experience where, you know, NIL wasn't as big as it is now um, whenever he entered college. And then this year it's obviously blown up. So there's going to be a lot of recruits, you know, a lot Texas's offensive linemen that take deals to come to a certain program, which is going to be more recruits than not. And they're going to take money to come to a, a program. But once they hit the transfer portal, that's just money you know, that they have, and now they can go to a new place and they can get another bag of another, you know, signing bonus almost to another team. So um, I don't know what these NIL contracts are like, but I would hope for at least to the standpoint, you know, of like saying it's the wild, wild west, that at least in these contracts, it says like, if you do end up transferring that you have to pay back or like this new NIL deal that you you land could almost treat this new, like you can buy out of your new, um, of your old NIL contract. I think that's the best bet from it. I'm not saying like you're doomed and you're stuck 
if you can't buy out your contract and you shouldn't, you know, transfer. But I, I think there should be something similar, at least to that. I'm sure there's something we can find in the details to make that work. Yeah, I do want to. I do want to point out real quick. It's interesting with the NIL because technically, it's it's not it's not a salary from the schools. There are a lot of sort of things like like Texas is doing that is fully legal, and I support it. And I think OU should jump on this as well uh, with their linemen. The sort of the fifty thousand dollar a year, I think, salary for for their linemen that's uh, just sort of laundered through to make a sponsorship deal. But a lot of the people that are making the big money with the NIL, these are products and and corporate sponsorships that aren't dependent on you know where you're playing obviously say you're you're at a well we'll say joe smith (laughs) to throw out a generic car dealership in oklahoma because i don't want to name the one that comes to mind and and you're sponsoring (laughs) a you're sponsoring a a a player you know and, and say you're an oklahoma car dealership and that player transfers to NYU, I don't think they even play football, but naturally that would go away. But when you're sponsored by Canes or Nike or McDonald's or I love how you thought else, of raising Canes first. Yeah. <laughs> well, Spencer um, Rattler. Yeah, but those aren't, you know, maybe you move out of that company's region, but those aren't dependent on the schools. And that's a very interesting thing because with college football, again, to compare it to the NFL or, or other pro sports, you know, a lot of you know a handful of people make a lot more money from sponsorships but most pro football players are making the most money from their teams where in college football the ones that are making money are making it from merchandising and, and companies not their teams or their schools so that again ties into and i think there will be adjustments to the rules and, and sort of crackdowns or whatever else is as more and more, you know, boosters continue to get burned, it, it's sort of the novelty of the situation. It's the Wild West, you know, rules creep will inevitably set in. But, um, yeah, we're certainly at a very unique time. And and uh, I don't necessarily know that there's a way with the current NIL system that you can incentivize people remaining at schools. Because if I'm a sponsor, you know, there's no such thing as, well, there is definitely such thing as bad publicity as a sponsor. But, if you're talking about a guy in, entering the transfer portal, you know, Caleb Williams, how many people were talking about tweeting about viewing Caleb Williams social media prior to today versus today, right? The, the views on whatever sponsored posts or whatever sponsorships he has are tremendous when he answer, when he enters the transfer portal and when he gets this, this news going, you know? So that is definitely something that college football has not experienced before. And we're going to continue to, experience but right now the system i think is going to incentivize things like this even if it's just like like the original question from uh lindsay you know asks is there a potential he's just doing this to to see the the money you know this could just be a move to keep his name in the you know he's one of the main stories on espn right now and will be tomorrow and and will be when he announces his final decision that's a smart business move regardless of where he's going I agree. I just think it's almost signed, sealed, delivered. He's gone. I am going to put. You know, I, I don't think that's that even bold to say. I understand y'all are leaving the door open. I'm ready to shut the door and move on. Because um, uh, I was looking more into Dylan Gabriel because obviously I was talking about how I got caught on the pot there. Um, looking a little bit more into him. Um, he has three years of eligibility because he only played three games this season. So even though he's been around college football for a long time, you know, for three years, he still has three years of eligibility to play which is quite nice, especially with our um, quarterback recruiting position losing Malachi Nelson. 
um, and kind of trying to get our grounds and our identity about us uh, moving forward with recruiting because we have a guy essentially that has the same amount of eligibility as, you know, Caleb Williams. I'll put it this way. I, I don't think the door is – I think the door is closed on Caleb, but we haven't turned his key fob off yet. You know, he can, he can still come in if he wants, but uh, I, I think for the most part we're just like, meh, we're, we're ready to move on. But um, I, I think I think as a fan base, mentally, go ahead and move on. You should move on because it doesn't look good. And if you've been following this saga uh, for any amount of time, you realize that, uh, you know, the good things usually don't happen. Uh, you might you might get a nice visor exchange or you know a fun airport greeting, but uh, usually what you want doesn't end up happening, and you have to settle with a Dylan Gabriel. But that's okay, and you learn to mo- you learn to live with it. You learn to move on, and you learn to look at better things, um, such as uh, good coaching hires. I would say, uh, including uh, you know a couple a couple a couple transition assistants as well. What a uh, segue. I know. So let's talk about it. Not the only big news today uh, came out of the quarterbacking room. Uh, two major hires. Uh, let's let's start with the defensive line coach. Uh, finally got announced. And good God, what what a what a highway robbery, huh, Jameson? Yeah, honestly, uh, it's crazy to think that you know we were so in the dark about um, what's going on with these new coaches. But in all honesty, the ones that were the favorite and talked about even whispered the most beforehand came to be. You know, Todd Bates just makes sense. It's the guy who's been around Venables. Are you guys seeing a theme here when it comes to the defensive staff? Even though Brent Venables is not our defensive coordinator, guess what? He wants his guys that does his way because he's going to have a lot of his hands on this. This guy, you know, was the defensive tackles coach, um, Clemson. Um, he's going to be co-defensive coordinator too. Like we are trying to say, I want our defensive line coach to have a lot of power in this defense because we're about to move to the SEC. And when you go to the SEC, you get big boys. And um, I think this is a great move. I, yeah, I mean, so, I agree. Go ahead, Ty. Sorry. Uh, so I, w- I was just going to say is, is here's the thing, right? We look at, and, and I think there's going to be some people that are going to debate with me on this, but I will argue that it is a matter of the fact that these individuals were on these teams. When you look at all of the recent national championships, so let's say 10, maybe 15 years, I, I know that's 15 is not that recent, but it's sort of the era that we're in now uh, when it comes to, well, maybe not 15, well, 10 to 12 years. Uh, go back to whatever 2009 is. I can't do mental math. Um, it's the defensive focus teams that are winning, right? Like I can name some some Bama quarterbacks uh, that I've met um, and, and just sort of had press because they were the quarterback at Bama, but are unremarkable guys. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is, I think, a Great quarterback, maybe underdeveloped in the NFL, but not necessarily that amazing. All of the the sort of national championship winning guys are you don't have to be you don't have to have a star quarterback. And, and a good offense is important. Obviously, there's a lot of superstar receivers that were on those teams as well. But having a strong defense, especially a strong defensive line, um, has been really crucial. I mean, that's you can make a really fair argument that that's. That's what won it for for Clemson, you know, and maybe that's an OU homer take now that we have their D line coach and their defensive coordinator. But I am I'm super excited for OU to be a more defensive minded team because I think that is our future 
when we move on to to the SEC because we're not going to be able to to run in and and you know just try to outshoot people and and let them score on us at will. That's that's not going to work. We have to be able to get people off the field, have our defense control time of possession, and not rely on our offense controlling the time of possession. So I'm I'm super excited that we're landing more more Clemson guys because that has been their uh, that has been their their bread and butter. Yeah. Absolutely, and the, the defensive transformation isn't going to happen overnight, but I am very happy to have the guy who coached uh, Clone Farrell, Austin Bryant, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, uh, all on that same D-line in two, uh, 2018 from Clemson. Uh, it's good to have him on your side, in your defensive room, and, uh, I, I mean, th- this this guy is incredible. And, Jameson, uh, what about the recruiting edge of this guy? He, I, I believe, won uh, 247's uh, Recruiter of the Year as well. What do we have to look forward to there? Yeah, he became their recruiting coordinator, I think, in 2020. And if we look at the 2020 class of who recruited on the defensive line, uh, look no farther than the number one overall player in the nation, Brian Breesy, that he's an absolute monster. And he didn't stop there when it turns down to defensive line. The number seven player in the nation, Miles Murphy, he always got already got in that class in 2020. You know, got the number 34 player in the nation who was on the D line as well. Um, number 94 is also a D lineman. This is four top 100 players just on the D line that he recru- recruited in that 2020 year. And you know, he has a history of it too. He started there at 2017 in Clemson. In his 2018 class, he recruited the number three, number 14. Um, overall player in the nation who were both defensive linemen. Like this guy obviously, you know, hits it home with big time recruits. Um, I really wish that Venables was a guy be like, Hey, let's take some of those Clemson players. Now, you know, Brian Breesy, you want to come over to Oklahoma? Uh, that Clemson last year wasn't too good, but since, you know, Brent Venables is too nice of a guy, which is my major knock on him. Everything else is great. Um, Recruiting for the future, that is exactly what you need moving to the SEC, a guy who can recruit some of the best defensive linemen in the country. And not only that, but who can recruit the Southeast. Um, because, it. let's be honest, Texas isn't enough. There are too many hands in that pot for you to just expect to go and get a bunch of Texas guys and win. Uh, same with recruiting at home. You have to be able to recruit the entire Southeast. Um, that means that means Alabama. That means Georgia. That means Florida. Um you know, Mississippi, less Mississippi, more the other ones. But, you know, it it, it matters to have a foothold there. And, uh, you know, getting guys who know that area, who have connections in the, that region, you know, in some of those South Florida, you know, um, you know, high schools, that's huge. So I, I, I'm pumped about it uh, for sure. Um, and I, I would also like to talk a little bit about a guy who isn't, you know, solid yet. This is just kind of rumored. Uh, on three, I believe, tweeted it out that we are strong to use some uh, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, type of phrasing. Are strongly looking at uh, Jay Valet out of uh, Alabama. Uh, this is his first year at Alabama. Last year he was at Texas. Uh, the former Wisconsin, uh, I believe, safety. Jameson, what, what do you what do you know about Jay Valet? And uh, would th- do you think that would be a pretty good hire? Yes, I, I think this is the guy that we've been looking at since the beginning. Um, people were talking about rumors of, you know, uh, our cornerbacks coach we can't hire right now because he's still dealing um, with playoffs. But right now is a major news leakage day. And I'm not surprised at all that somehow, you know, some source is putting it on Twitter during a day where there's 
a lot of OU fans that are pretty nervous about the Caleb Williams news. So it's the good old, you know, news dump to try to cover up some of the bad, throw up, you know, some of the dirty clothes under the bed. But this is a guy like, you know, even though he's was out of Alabama, he's got Texas roots. He's from Texas. He, you know, that, that's where he grew up. I think he's from Colleyville, if I remember right. Um, and, you know, went to high school there. Um, and has had big time, you know, uh, relationships with this Alabama recruiting class moving forward. We've seen, you know, recently a, a bit, a pretty decent, you know, footprint on the Texas um, state recruiting in terms of Alabama in these past years. And one of the, you know, uh, best, you know, recruits in the nation, uh, you know, was a guy that was from Texas that he was really close with as well. So seems like he's a good guy that people really like. Um, and I think that's, you know, obviously a stellar hire just for clout standpoint too. Yeah, Ty, snagging a guy from uh, from Saban, that has to feel kind of good, right? Yeah, no, it's and it's like sort of Jameson said with the clout, right? There's there's so much just name brand stuff involved, especially with with recruiting when you're trying to dazzle these these high school you know guys into into coming into your program. Sometimes you truly can you know fake it until you make it. Look at well, he hasn't made it, but Lane Kiffin's entire career, he's made millions. Um, so it's, it helps when you have someone that can just say, you know, Oh, I have this on my, it's like, it's like, you could be the worst employee at, you know, I just off the top of my head, a, a company that people would find it. You could be the, the absolute worst employee at like SpaceX or Tesla or Facebook or Google or something that looks good on a resume and then walk into your, you know, job interview at, to be a manager at a local Walmart, and you're going to wow them just with that or with the school you went to on, on your resume. So there is certainly a potential to have, and I, I think he's a great coach, and I think he's going to continue to be a, a great coach, and he's going to help us on the coaching side. But recruiting is so important nowadays, uh, and I think it is really important that we get good people, but I hate to say it, there is a tremendous advantage to getting someone who is going to be a good coach and also has a resume that says Alabama Nick Saban coaching tree versus, and I I have no one specific in mind, but say we're getting a new up and coming coach and they're coming from like Syracuse or something, Uh, you know, that's less impressive on, on the, uh, the resume and less impressive to recruits and, and won't have the same sort of you know, geographic footprint when it comes to recruiting, obviously Bama recruits nationwide, but it, that's, it's very important. You know, having a staff that is predominantly OU retained, former Clemson or former Bama is going to help us so much. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And uh, by the way, everyone watching live expecting to hear some uh, heavy talk about Caleb Williams and uh dylan uh, gabriel we talked about that for a good 30 minutes you might have to go back and watch some of the replays um because kind of kind of squeeze that orange pretty good but um definitely check that out uh either on youtube or uh, wherever you get your podcast it's right there in your feed uh for you to listen to so i would check that out if you want to hear uh some of our you know kind of the meat of this conversation go back give it a listen if you had not listened already well, anyways, let's move on to uh, – this day has been so crazy that somehow this got buried. Uh, Cruden Quarter and Jameson, uh, 
pretty big, pretty big uh, happenings happened. Uh, so I'll, I'll hit your, I'll hit your video. David. Yes. What is this, David? This is a rooted corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, Javante Barnes picking us over OU, I mean, over USC is a huge, huge deal over OU. Yeah, that'd be tough. I, I've changed my allegiance to USC, right? You uh, picked no, us over good. Ohio University. <laughs> we have a mole. <laughs> yeah, but, but the thing is, you know, he been, he's been leaning OU for a long time now, and it was because of one guy, and that's DeMarco Murray. And DeMarco Murray – um, staying at OU and has been a big vocal leader in this change and is a guy that a lot of people have gotten behind. And he kept Gavin Sawchuck in the boat. And guess what? He just landed, you know, a top 100 running back in Javante Barnes. Our two best recruits in this class now are running backs, which is crazy. You know, assume, you know, Gentry Williams um, still hasn't signed, so not counting him yet. Um, but the best ones that are signed and are already there are running backs. And that says a lot about DeMarco Murray as a recruiter and as his footprint in that zone of Las Vegas, because that's where Javante Barnes is from and helping him sell a, you know, a running back class where you can come in with another very highly regarded running back. We can have a one, two punch. Look what OU has done in the past as a one, two punch running back, you know, Samaja Pirai and Joe Mixon, same time, I'm sure gets brought up all of the time. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, and, you know, even more recently, Trey Sermon and uh, Kennedy Brooks were, I felt like, excellent together. Um, you know, it, 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 there are a lot of, and especially in today's, you know, day and age with football, you have to kind of have a one-two punch. Um Especially because if you are wanting to get to the NFL, it's probably best you aren't an every down back. That is uh, something that can really put a lot of tread on your tires. You only have a couple years, uh, you know, as a running back. I mean, Barry Sanders only had t- it was only ran for ten years. It's, it's unreal. So you know, um, I'm cool with the dual running back system. I, I, I'm all about it. And um, you know, just just a remarkable performance for Demarco Murray. Give that man a raise because he could have left. Uh, got, gone with Lincoln to USC, didn't, um, and, you know, has been, you know, really one of the most crucial figures uh, outside of maybe Bob Stoops at keeping this thing together. Um, so, you know, kudos on him. Just just absolutely great performance. Mm-hmm. I think another big thing that we have to talk about that's not necessarily recruiting for this cycle, um, but another name that we haven't hit yet is McCade Matower from Cal, um, interior offensive lineman. Um, Bill Beatenbow, I feel like he's watching tape, you know, across the country pretty frequently on this transfer portal because we saw it with Chris Murray, you know, a couple years ago. And now we see it with McCade, uh, coming in as an interior offensive lineman guard prospect, um, into a room where he's going to compete heavily. I don't know about y'all, but Chris Murray isn't this promised stud that we all thought he was going to be. Um, he's shown a lot of deficiencies and it seems that he kind of fizzles out at the end of the games. Um, and you know, looking at the Oregon game, our offensive line played great, but he was definitely, you know, the weakest on that offensive line, just by the eye test to me, McCade can come in and fight Chris Murray for that job and push him. Um, while, you know, at the same time, we have two offensive tackle spots on the outside um, to where the guys that were originally at guard, so say like a Bray Walker, 
um, could even think about moving out to a right tackle and giving it back a try to where that's how he was recruited as. So this adds a lot more flexibility. And, you know, Bill Biedenboe loves, loves, loves his depth coming into the spring um, for offensive linemen because everything's on the board. You never know when a starter is going to be a true freshman like Anton Harrison was. Ty? For sure. Oh, yeah. Making sure yeah, I wasn't no, on the no. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think that the, I, I don't have a lot more to add on, on Chris Murray, but uh, like you said, depth is so uh, important, especially as a line, because we kind of saw with, uh, well, name names, but we you see how, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, just relying on one person or having it sort of a key linchpin in your, in your line is, is not a good move at the college level. Uh, and I'm just going to let you guys take it. Sorry. I was, was reading. Yeah. It's I, I was, I was oh, sitting no worries, no because worries. I realized how big of a bonehead is to not even mention that Marquise Hayes is gone. A guy that, you know, was on the line of, was he going to stay? Was he going to go? I'm um, going to the draft. Marquise Hayes gone. So there's an opening at left guard. Uh, to where, you know, Chris Murray could also start. Um, but at the same time, I want competition at all guard spots right now because Chris Murray just didn't, you know, stun me as an option. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I'm with you. Um, anyways, let's move on to something. <laughs> this is what we were planning on talking about the whole time. But, uh, you know, Caleb Williams and uh, Dylan Gabriel and, you know, Britt Venerables and his, uh, his staff, you know, yeah, they had different ideas. So, look, let's um, I still have the preview up. Let, let's um, let's talk about the Alamo Bowl, kind of recap it a little bit. Uh, and you know what a moment, what a game. I, this was honestly one of more one of the more enjoyable bowl experiences I've ever uh, watched with OU. Uh, it was truly a moment. You know, Bob Stoops coming back, uh, succeeding, um, and uh, passing the visor off to Brent Venables. Just just all a remarkable thing. Uh, I did a little bit of a, uh, let's just say, not thorough uh, post-game show uh, after it, but uh, I want to get some of y'all's thoughts on it. Uh, and, you know, Lord knows I've already said too much about that game, but Jameson, uh, your thoughts on that night? Overall, it just, I felt comfortable the whole game um, in terms of, I, you know, we talked about it, it's like, you know, playing with house money. Uh, if we win, awesome. If we lose, we have excuses. But at the same time, even though Orkin was kind of, you know, Travis Dye was running us and our corners were getting roasted, I felt great the whole game that we just had it, and I was not worried at all. And you're not supposed to feel like that playing, you know, an Oregon in an Alamo Bowl in a top 25 matchup. That felt great. But there is a lot of things if you break down the game and if you take, like, certain things from it that obviously if you want to play negative Nancy are concerning. But overall – a lot more positive than negative. Um, and I think my favorite thing, just to say it before I pop off to tie, um, offensive line looked great. Yeah, so I want to say first and foremost, this was almost like a limited edition, like, you know, one-off special edition, you know, game. Sort of like a like a just a marquee exhibition matchup. I I can't even, you know, there's so many words you can come up with, but this is like, we had a hall of fame coach coach, like an already inducted hall of fame coach coaching for, for one of the teams. I couldn't even tell you who's coaching for the other team. 
a ton of opt-outs or, or injuries or, you know, positive COVID tests on both sides. What we saw was two teams that we're never going to see again. Like, a, like a, this OU team that played in the Alamo Bowl was fundamentally not the OU team that we saw all year, you know, for the most part. And this Oregon team that we saw playing wasn't really a representation of Oregon's team all year, not to make an excuse for them, but we also didn't see Oregon's team next year. And we also didn't see OU's team by any stretch of the imagination for next year. So this was such a weird uh, matchup where we had these two just once in a lifetime teams come together. I I do want to say I'm super glad uh, that we saw them play. And then as I hand it off to Bobby and we dive deeper into it, I have to say, I feel like most people agree with me. It's a less nuanced take, but the moment of the game by far was Drake Stoops getting a touchdown running yeah. over the sideline and, and getting that hug with, with Bob Stoops. It was such, such a treat to see one last ride uh, with Bob Stoops uh, on the OU sideline and coaching. That was amazing. And I have some more talking points, but I'll let Bobby get his general intro in. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it was such a feel good, good moment. And it's weird looking back on it now, uh, given what has happened today with, um, you know, just getting right back on the roller coaster. Um, because it, you know, it, it, uh, it feels like, like 50 years away, uh, even though it's like five days away, uh, or ago. So it's, it, it, it's kind of frustrating, um, that we're now drug back into the madness, but you know, that's just, that's just how it is as an OU fan. But, um, in terms of a game, I, I'm with Ty. It feels like a special one-off, you know, uh, a one-shot sort of, sort of special event, um, that is just it, truly, truly something to be cherished, and uh, it's it's definitely one that we'll remember for a long time, uh, for sure. Yeah, that that whole uh, Drake Stoops touchdown. Uh, watching on my television, it was I don't know if it was like this on y'all's, but the camera angle made it look like when there was the setup that Drake Stoops was off by himself on the left, and I couldn't see that he was in the slot, but I couldn't see the two wideouts um, that were out there, and I was like oh my God, we're running a one wide receiver set with Drake Stoops. And then I see him veer out and they throw a fade to him. I go, oh my God, we just put Drake Stoops as a one wide receiver and we faded him and he caught it, but I didn't see the two outside wide receivers cut in. But still, if you're fading Drake Stoops, is you know, okay, come on. What is he listed at? 5'10", 5'9", no, probably 5'7", five, 5'8", five, if we're, we're talking real here. And he just goes up and gets it. That's just awesome. We Ty's talked about it the whole year. This guy's just surefire. He's the best yeah. receiver on our. He's the mo- well. He's the most consistent receiver on our. T- I cannot name another receiver that has had at least two catches in every single game. Yeah. No. I mean, you're not wrong. He he was he was a safety blanket for uh, Caleb Williams and you know Spencer Rattler all season long, and he he, he deserves his props. He deserves his flowers and. He was a he was a hell of a player for us, um, and has been great, you know, pretty much ever since he stepped onto campus. So I, I, I loved watching Drake do that. Um, well, he, he first stepped onto campus like hours as a child. He was born. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Pretty sure he was on Owen Field within a week of his birth, and I'm not joking at all. The, there's that great picture of Drake and Isaac like as babies, like in '98. Uh, or like, like right, or probably more like 99, you know, um, you know, just right after Stoops got there. It's just, just gold. 
But, Oregon um, should definitely petition for recruiting violations against, uh, <laughs> against OU. Just on That's a technicality. Yeah, yeah, he was a, a walk-on. Uh, he was a walk-on. We're fine. We didn't even give him a, a scholar <laughs> until Lincoln did. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, it, it was a fun game. Uh, I don't think you can glean too much from it because you know Oregon was missing a lot of players, and obviously our team might look very different, especially with uh, today's news with uh, Caleb and everything. But overall, good times. I enjoyed it. Uh, James, any final thoughts on it before we just kind of wrap this whole thing up? Yeah, uh, not getting a full really analysis of this game because a lot of it really doesn't mean anything moving forward because a lot of the players that played well leaving for the draft. Um, or leaving for transfer portal. Uh, Jalil Farouk looked great, um, but if Caleb's gone, I bet you Jalil Farouk's gone. So, you know, he had that, you know, burst to his catch where whenever he was moving with the football, he looked a lot faster than the D-backs. And, man, that sucks if we were to lose a guy like him too. You know, Caleb Williams leaving isn't just Caleb Williams. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Mario Williams leave too. Like this is, this is an avalanche move, just like the Lincoln Riley thing, guys. Speaking of Williams, how about that damn like help, like the the helmet catch? Oh, you know, yeah, ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, I'm still upset about that. But uh, Ty, uh, your final thoughts? I have one final thought on the Alamo Bowl one thing that could potentially be indicative of the future of OU. Maybe I made the take a year too early. You know, maybe I was before my time. Kenny Brooks had a game, three touchdowns, like 15 carries was averaging. uh, What was it? Yeah. He averaged 10 yards per carry. That's insane. Okay. But right after him a number of carries, I told you in the preseason, (laughs) Marcus Major from Oklahoma City. Probably not going to go anywhere else because academically he doesn't qualify for literally any other school. Um, (laughs) Most of the season didn't even academically qualify to play at OU. There Uh, goes our Marcus Major NIL deal. Which is hard. Like you got to – I know because I've been in that boat too. You got to try to be academically not in favor at OU. It takes serious commitment. Um but yeah, Marcus Major, average five yards per carry, not amazing. Everybody else, uh, you know, Eric Gray and, and Brooks were averaging over ten. But Oregon could not guard anything on the yeah. run defense. But how about how about your boy, you know, Eric Gray? Seriously, like getting the Stoops first drive him. snaps. He, yeah, yeah, he gave him some good carries. But I just want to say, in in the final game of the postseason, my my cold take was sort of turned to a lukewarm take and saying that Marcus Major was someone to watch maybe next year because he has eligibility. So I just wanted to, to point that out. He is a uh, sophomore now, so he will not be going anywhere. He doesn't have the resume to go to the NFL for sure. Um, and he's not going to be going anywhere else because uh, you have to go to class to do that. So Running back Jeez. rooms looking like the best, you know, when it terms of returning, even though we lose Kennedy Brooks, you know, Eric Gray, Marcus Major, and then getting Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck. You know, the quarterback position, obviously there's some, you know, some turmoil. We lose in three offensive linemen. Um, wide receiver transfer portal could hit us really hard. It already kind of has um, with Caleb William news. And the defensive line obviously hit hard. Brian Asimov, the linebackers, and then the cornerbacks. Do we even need to talk about cornerbacks? Um I think we'd be remiss not to even bring it up before we end this podcast, Bobby. Um, who should start at cornerback next season, and why is it not DJ Graham? Uh, oh, 
that's tough. Uh, hey, maybe DJ Graham gets coached up. That's the only he could be thing a wide I can receiver. see. He, he could be a wide receiver. All I know is he just get got burnt over and over and over again, and it was really hard to watch. Um, I'm, I'm I'm getting pretty close to done on the DJ Graham experiment, but you know, through Venables, all things are possible. So you never it was know instinct. If you watch the replays, this dude was just giving up on the route. Like he's thinking, like I'm good, and the guy would just zoom past him. It wasn't like Zach Sanchez biting, you know, like. Oh man, I'm like, by, you know, I want to get this interception. This dude was just like losing the defender and didn't even know where it went. Like his technique was obvious that he had been coached by a linebacker coach this whole season. The guy had none. Come out, came into this, um, you know, out of high school as an athlete and got big time play early as a freshman, but he had never been coached up to actually be a legitimate cornerback. Um, and an athlete can make you have big time plays and have the t- number two overall like college football play of the year um, in the Texas interception. But what it doesn't get you athleticism is, you know, how to move your hip right and, you know, turning to the ball and, you know, staying with your receiver and being a cornerback and the right footwork to do it. And he was not taught that at all. And you can absolutely see it. Um, you saw it this whole year. Um, DJ Graham had many moments like this, but it was showcased because how many times he did it and being a bowl game, obviously um, all eyes are on you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, uh, it was a tough look for our guy for sure. And again, like you said, the instincts just aren't there. You know, you, you, he, he is a great athlete was recruited as an athlete, but there are just some things that you, you need to, you need to have that feeling. And if you don't have that feeling, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, I, I will say I'm excited about more Key Lawrence, uh, more Justin Broyles. I thought Broyles was really good. Um, so there, there are there are options, but um, DJ Graham, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, he 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 is a good enough athlete that you can find a place for him. But uh, cornerback probably not going to be it. And to be fair, he doesn't have Roy Manning c- coaching him up anymore, so that's a already a he'll, massive plus. He'll still be he'll still be cornerback, but I'm just a little bit worried about him moving forward. But you never know. Um, once you get an actual legitimate cornerbacks coach. Um, who just got done coaching at Alabama, you know, maybe we can yeah. fix a little bit of things here. Can, can, we, can we talk about how Roy Manning essentially just was Clark Stroud, but like as a coach, all yeah. he did was like, he did like little hype videos and that was it. Like I, I where's the difference between him and Clark Stroud? Nothing. There it when, is. Nothing. No, the Clark Stroud might be goofier, I guess. A little bit Roy, weirder. Roy, Roy's were less critical. Roy's were way less cringy, but that's like a low bar. You you, as, you can as, like stumble over that bar. I had like taken out like the memories of Clark Stroud's goofy ass singing in that car um, every single morning, and now you just brought it all back. And now it's like, thank, glad, very glad he's gone. Very glad he's gone. It was just goofy. That's just cringe content. It 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 was some some uh, as was it was it cringe consumerism, Ty. Maybe it depends on if he made money. I, I do want to say real quick, uh, we had a YouTube comment uh, in response to it to Clint on YouTube. Uh, I've been supporting, <laughs> I've been supporting Marcus Major all year, and I've been getting made fun of for it because the uh, at the start of the season, I declared that he was going to be our main running back. That didn't pan out, so I have a personal sort of grievance in that I, I honestly believe he could have been and very maybe <laughs> next year, and I'm going to get burned for this too, but he burned know, me on I, – I stepped up to the plate to support him, and then he burned me by just 
not going to class uh, or whatever. So, yeah. And and look, not going to class or, you know, not you – know, it, 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 let's be honest. It's not going to class. That is what burns you, you in college. You have to not. At OU, at OU specifically, if you just are present most of the time, you will pass. I, like, mm-hmm. I know people who have failed out of racquetball. You know, like the only way to fail out of racquetball is to just not show up. Um, and you know, it's, it, it it happens. You know, so, sometimes you uh, you take a tumble and you know accidentally have to uh, withdraw from a class that uh, was super easy. Shout out to uh, online philosophy. I, I know the pain, but uh, you know it happens. So <laughs> anyway, I, I I have a degree. We're fine. Um, but um, all right, let's let's kind of wrap this thing up. Uh, any final thoughts, Jameson? No, I, I think that everyone, you know, that it came into the chat right now recently that wants to hear, you know, live reactions and what we think about the Caleb Williams and Dylan Gabriel news, just hit rewind from live and just watch those. And you can put it on one and a half speed too and get through it faster. If not, if you're a podcast person, put it on your, put it on your phone on the, you know, the way to work tomorrow. Um, I think it's, you know, some good stuff that we said. And it, there's a lot of interesting, you know, propositions that we brought up. But all in all, I want to hammer it back. I understand we talked um, about bowl recap last, but I want to, you know, round back to the main point of Caleb Williams leaving is 99% sure in my brain. And I know a lot of people are keeping doors open. Um, but once this Dylan Gabriel news dropped, I, I don't see any avenue where an offensive coordinator would give Dylan Gabriel a job offer, essentially, um, to come to a place that he wouldn't be the starter at for the next two years when he has three years of eligibility. That's not how business works. So Caleb Williams leaving, um, I'll say that now, is going to have you know monumental effect when it comes down to the wide receiver room around him. There are going to be people that leave because Caleb Williams is leaving because he was a leader of this team and people gravitated to him. You saw how much people gravitated to him in high school and how well he did recruiting other people. Guess what happens when you're the head quarterback on one of the best, you know, programs in college football in Oklahoma? People gravitate to you. Whenever you lose your leader, people are broken. So there's a lot going on here. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I I'm on the opposite end. I, I mainly because of that gamble line that uh, Gabriel said that it doesn't seem like it, it it was an automatic because I, or maybe it or maybe it was an automatic because you know. Frankly, we've seen, you know, players say, you know, uh, the doubted ever since I was, you know, like five yes, and he, they've, been, they've been a five star and, and they're a five star number one option, you know, Bryce all the way Young. through Bryce Young. Uh, so, you know, maybe it actually wasn't that much of a gamble. Maybe he's afraid of Ralph Rucker. Who knows? Um, but we'll see. Uh, d- definitely, you know, look. This this live is about to end. Just go right on back. Uh, wait for it a little, a couple seconds to get going, or uh, you know, just even better, subscribe to us on uh, you know wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, I uh, you know uh, Apple and Podcast, uh, Stitcher, and of course on YouTube as well. Ty, uh, final thoughts? Yeah, I I just it just came to me when you were talking about that. Maybe his gambling uh, statement. You know, it's about taking a gamble. Uh, Norman is out of Orlando and then uh, Los Angeles, the only place where there's casinos. So maybe he just likes to gamble and is coming to OU because of no free sponsorships, but the fact that we have casinos here. Uh, So there is that possibility. But I I do want to say in all seriousness, um, 
this the state of OU, state of OU football is good. We're gonna be okay. We are not at the point going forward. We are building a true championship caliber team or a team that should be a true championship caliber team. We're not building a team of scrappy underdogs that is relying on a very chippy Heisman winner to try to punch up and maybe get us in the championship game and rely on some sooner magic to, to win, right? We are building a team. We've moved past the era of, you know, it was one of my, my favorite OU team of all time, actually the, the 27 team, uh, the 2017 team with with Baker, right? We're not we're not relying on that methodology anymore, right? We're not we're not taking, you know, and Baker's my probably my favorite OU player of all time, um, but we're not relying on on chippy guys to sort of punch up and have some magic and some miracles and and get us in the playoff and then we'll see what happens. We're we're building a team that should and has the potential to with with the coaching staff and the players that they're going to bring in to do what we want, set the pace of the game, and be a true, absolute favorite contender against teams like Bama. And I'm not even going to knock on wood or say that I'm going to jinx it or whatever because at Clemson, the Brent Venables defense with our D-line coach that we've just got and and the potential for recruiting with the move to the SEC and the names that we have on the coaching staff, not just because of their names but because of their performance, we're building a team that is – able to take us to the next layer, right? And and I know we've lost I I 100% I agree with Jameson we've lost Caleb Williams. I, I think he's gone. I think it was probably a done deal when Lincoln Riley left uh and he just was a, you know, a, mm. a, a good man about it and played out the rest of the season. We lost our coach, we lost our DC, we didn't have an OC, which I've complained about forever. Now we do. Um we're building a solid team that doesn't have to rely on tricks and luck and magic to win. We're building a team that should just be able to flat out go out there and win um, at any level. And I think that no one should be concerned, regardless of who goes in, who comes out. This is Oklahoma football, and we invented being champions, you know, like like uh, the King said, Barry Switzer, and we're going to get back to the Switzer level soon. You know, Bama – is going to continue to be good with Saban. You know, they might be our, our Miami uh, if we're using Switzer analogies, but Switzer still won a lot of championships back then. Uh, and we're going to win more championships in the future. I'm with you. I think we're, you know, honestly, I think uh, if you want to take a lot, take away a lot of things today, you know, the additions to the defensive uh, staff are just as big as Caleb leaving. And, and in fact, probably bigger if we're talking long-term, building a foundation, building something that you know has substance, legitimacy, um, that is more than just like flash and dash and, you know, uh, Lamborghinis in the end zone. Uh, which, you know, here's the thing. You need the Lamborghini, a couple Lamborghinis in the end zone, but none of that matters if you don't have a defense that can square up against SEC competition, the, 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 the competition you meet in the playoff. Um, without that, you're, you're just going to lose. You're, you're going to bust, you're, you're going to bust out like they have every single year. And, uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but, um, you know, you, you have to have the toughness with that energy on offense. Um, overall, I, I, I do want to end this by saying, don't, don't, don't tweet. Don't tweet at Caleb Williams. Please, please, guy. Like, don't, 
don't do that. Apparently, some of you, like, so, some people out there apparently, like, were tweeting, uh, uh, you know, Gabriel, or, or Brownlow Dindy. Almost did it. Uh, what? Uh, Gabriel I Dak. Say Gabriel yeah. Dak. No, no, they're, they're tweeting at Dindy, you know, some death threats. It, it, they're, they're, they're still kids. They're trying to do what's best for them. So don't don't be mean to him. You know, maybe if you want to talk bad about him online in general spaces, like if you're in the comments, you know, like kind of trashing on him, go for that. Yeah, that's right. Caleb Williams ain't watching this damn show, anyways, or shouldn't. If he does, uh, man, you're welcome on the pod. But um, you know, I I don't I I don't think we should trash him. He's not he's not a Lincoln Riley like level snake. He was promised to you know four years of Lincoln. And uh, Lincoln dashed after one, uh, honestly, probably uh, half year, not even a full year. But um, I, I don't blame him for wanting to look at his options. And uh, look, I, I, I'm i tired of constantly feeling bad about players or calling them snakes and having all of these great moments ruined because of all this. I, If Caleb leaves, he leaves. But you know what? That Texas game, that is that is always in our hearts. That is always there for us. And uh, he, as far as I'm concerned, he's a part of the Sooner family. Much like all of us, he was he was dealt a crap hand when Lincoln left. And you know, it, if he wants to shop around, and look at his options, go for it. That's that is the that is the nature we're in, and that is the smart thing to do. It might not be the thing that you want him to do. And it might not be the thing that OU fans want him to do. But you know, frankly, for the kid, that's 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 totally fair beyond me, or in my opinion. So. Um, you know, it, if we talked a lot earlier about restrictions on the portal, I would say that coaching changes, as much as anything, are a good reason to try to portal or take a look at things. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at the guy, and as much as much as I would love to, uh, you know, add fuel to the fire and be a homer here, I, I'm just being honest. Um, you know that it, it's a tough situation for all of us. So, if he wants to be here, he, he he'll be here. If he doesn't, uh, well, good luck. Completely agree. We'll be in Caleb Williams' comments whenever he announces his transfer to Miami. So congratulations. Matt. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I mean, honestly, if you go to Miami, good luck, man. Try to revive that uh, mess of a program. But um, anyways, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. Thank you all so much for watching or listening. If you were watching live and want to catch this later, like we said, uh, we are available Everywhere you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And, uh, hey, if you're on uh, one of those with uh, reviews, if you like it, make sure to stop by and give us a five-star. Uh, we, we, we always like that. So, um, yeah, just had to, had to chill out for that. But, you know, you, you, do what you, you do what you can do around here in these trying times, folks. It, 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 and, boy, are they trying times. So, um, <laughs> anyways, we will be with you all off-season long. As this gets crazier, less crazy, who knows? This ne- may never end. We may never finally get rest. But uh, I had a good holiday. It was good good to get a break. Uh, but we are right back at it. So, uh, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner Pod. We will see you next time, whatever that may be. Have a good one. Boomer Sooner. Keep the faith. And for God's sake, don't tweet at Caleb Williams. <laughs>